You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. From the newsroom at Eater, I'm Amanda Clute. I'm Daniel Janine. And this is Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. With little help from the biggest names in the world of food and the journalists here at Eater, we try to understand what's happening right now in kitchens, restaurants, and dining rooms around the world. Today on the show, Thanksgiving disasters. You called in to tell us about your best stories about Thanksgivings gone wrong. And we're going to share our favorites. Bum, bum, bum. Because it's almost Thanksgiving. And then we're going to get into the biggest stories of the week. Uh, Burger King lawsuit, some Chick-fil-A news, and we've got a couple reader emails to breeze through. But first... Thanksgiving! First up, we have a caller on the line to tell us about her Thanksgiving disaster. Hello? It is the one and only mother of Daniel Janine. You're on the air. Oh, wow. So every year my mom has, and we have about 50 people. Wow. To, yeah, to her. What do we call it, mom? Is it a... Is it a- it's a farm. Yeah, it's a farm. And I have an um, organic vegetable garden. So everything except Ooh. the turkey comes from the vegetable garden. So every year she has a big party and she yeah. invites a lot of uh, our friends. Um, not always the same people. Sometimes there's some politics that go into it. But I think, Mom, you have two stories you wanted to, to share. Our Thanksgiving is is about six weeks earlier than mm-hmm. the American Thanksgiving. It's the, it's the second Monday in October. So I guess it's not quite six weeks, but it's over a month earlier. Uh, the biggest one I happened to have was about eight or nine years ago, and it was so warm that we were able to be outside and set up like hors d'oeuvre stands outside. There's a bunch of people that work on this. We worked on it for like a couple weeks before and thought it would be great. I've got apple trees also to have an old-fashioned apple cider press, and people would come over and be making this. And um, One of the things of the country, especially my place, is that there are a lot of wasps' nests, and we hadn't made this connection. We uh, were merrily making this apple cider, and um, a number of people got stung, including three that, that said they were allergic, oh. and one who got stung on his tongue. I won't say who it was, but... Oh, God. Yeah. It so, was a funny person for it to happen to. Yeah. That's for sure. Occasionally, there'll be someone will get caviar from mm-hmm. the Maritimes or something. And my friend, my friend's dad, who is Russian, was teaching us all that actually the way you eat caviar is with a full size spoon out of the tin. So, <laughs> and he's the guy who got stung on the, the guy tongue who by the wasp. So we were all like, "Cool, like great, just that's a really smart, interesting way to eat caviar." <laughs> and, and then got stung, and he, he was like, "No, I'll be okay. I'll be okay." And yeah, how did, what happened to him, Mom, that year? What happened? Well, he's alive. If that's what you mean. Yeah. But I had Benadryl because he claimed he was also allergic. I don't know. You have Benadryl around, so there are allergies. Yeah. 
Well, Mom, um, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And have fun with the other stories. Up next, we have a voice memo from Chris in Minneapolis that I am going to play for you. I haven't heard this yet, so uh, we are going to react in real time oh to boy. this okay. disaster. Love it. Yeah. I hope it's a disaster. I don't hope for it's I, a disaster. I want it to be a real disaster. You want it to be a real disaster? Yeah. Not like anyone's hurt. You don't think my moms were disasters? No, that was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, because someone was actually hurt. Oh, you want injuries. No, I'd rather no more injury- injuries. <laughs> sounds like you want injuries. Anyway, here is Chris. One year, I was tasked with making the pumpkin pie, and I wasn't paying attention as I think I was 12 at the time, and I mistook the sugar for salt, and instead of putting in a cup of sugar, I put in a cup of salt. Oof. Needless to say, that was a very salty pie. Salty and, pie. Uh, we didn't have pie that Thanksgiving, but uh, <laughs> my grandpa, being from the Depression era, tried to push through it with more and more whipped cream. But in the end, he just couldn't do it either. And so we, uh, yeah, we, we still laugh about it to this day, about my uh, uh, salty pumpkin pie mishap. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. I hope, I don't know if Chris's grandpa is still alive. I hope he is. But uh, if he is, I hope that he refers to Chris as salty pie. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, you know, salt for sugar is... Uh, it's a classic mishap. It's a classic mishap. Love and you it. know what? It still happens to this day. That's one thing that technology hasn't really solved. Salt v. sugar. Salt v. <laughs> sugar. One should just be a different color before you cook it. But um, <laughs> I, you know what I got to say? That could be a startup for you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> pink sugar. Pink sugar. You'll never swap it for salt again. So that's kind of a disaster. That's pretty disastrous. Well, you probably don't like it because no one got hurt, right? No, no, I like it. <laughs> I, I like it that it's a classic one. Yeah, no, it's important to talk about the classics yeah. in this canon because mm-hmm. there are some things that just happen. Yeah. Have you ever uh, salt sugared? I have not salt sugared. I've had some disaster pies before. Yeah. You like making they, pies. I love making pies. I made one recently. Where it just didn't set. It was mm-hmm. for a competition, and it was really embarrassing because I pride myself in my baking. Yeah, and just like to submit such a failure pie I was a imagine. real low low mark for, for me. Yeah. yeah. What uh, when you're bringing a pie over for a Thanksgiving thing, mm-hmm. it, it, like, are you? Do you feel like you? Um, there's pressure on you to bring a bring a great pie. Yeah. Because of you know who you are, your status. Not but my also... not my status. It's more like I just think of myself as a good baker, mm-hmm. and so to make a not great baked good is just personally embarrassing. Yeah. Not like my status as someone who works at Eater yeah. because... you're not worried we're going to lose clicks. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Are you ready for another disaster? Very ready. I'm Emily, and I live in Ann Arbor. Uh, my Nana Sue was a very posh lady. Got a Nana Sue. She also was a classically trained pianist, and she gave piano lessons on Saturday mornings on her limited edition George Bent Baby Grand Piano. Uh, this piano was, of course, a family heirloom, and when she died... It came to live in my parents' living room, and it was absolutely the most expensive thing my parents owned. Fast forward to Thanksgiving 2005 when I was 15. My grandfather was over for Thanksgiving with my three siblings, my parents and I. Um, And after a truly gargantuan feast, it was time for pie. 
And in our house, um, canned whipped cream is absolutely verboten. Wow. Me being the oldest daughter, I went into the kitchen to whip up this ginormous batch of whipped cream. Um, so as the whipped cream is starting to form stiff peaks, I hear my grandfather, <laughs> Papa, in the other room put a record on. Mm. Um, and it's ABBA, Dancing Queen. So soon I'm dancing to the music, and I go into the living room with the giant bowl of whipped cream. Yeah. You can ah, dance. She's singing. You can drive. And in no time at all, uh, my siblings, my grandfather and I are dancing in a circle and I am swinging my arms around the room and um, the metal bowl slips out of my arms with like centripetal force. This is a projectile missile. And we all collectively hold our breaths until splat. The bowl lands above the piano and sticks to the ceiling. Oh, a beat. Maybe it will be stuck there, but absolutely not. What goes up must come down. And uh, come down it did. Oh, yeah. It was like an explosion of dairy all over everyone, all over oh, my grandmother's no. baby grand piano. My question is, how do you clean whipped cream out of a piano? That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's it sounds not ideal. I mean, honestly, that <laughs> piano, uh, you know, from everything I know about pianos, which is... A lot? Over, yeah, more than the average person, okay. I would say. Uh-huh. That piano is never really going to be the same. No. No. Can I it just tell you the, the thing that it I'm most surprised same. about is like a no thickness of whipped cream in, in my mind would stick to the ceiling in a bowl. I don't think I that is what I'm shocked about. I would actually like to try that. I would like to get the thickest whipped cream, put it and in a metal bowl and throw it, it up to a ceiling. Yeah, I don't. I mean, what, oh, no, I could see that. It must be a Not very a ton of it's light stick. bowl. She said the bowl stuck to the ceiling, like looked oh. like a light fixture for a second. And then, oh, and came then the down. whole thing fell. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. Canned whipped cream. See that girl. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. She was really missing out her whole life. Next up, this is Margaret from upstate New York. My Thanksgiving horror story was in 2013, which was the week after the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination. One of my relatives decided Come to regale us with an extensive recounting of the assassination, <laughs> analysis of the Zapruder film, graphic anatomical details, bullet trajectory, conspiracy <laughs> theories, Oswald's murder, the Warren report, LBJ involvement. All the rest of us were just sitting there quietly unable to eat. It was so awful. Happy Thanksgiving. I love that one. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's, that's just like crazy um, dinner party guest. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, there's just so much about the JFK assassination that you, if you really want to do a deep dive, I haven't even, I mean, I, the concept of conspiracy theory people at dinner, mm-hmm. I mean, I always, I, I talk to conspiracy theory people quite a bit, but just having one you do. at your Thanksgiving, yeah, of course I do, but having one at your Thanksgiving table, I hadn't thought about that. I guess someone's uncle is like a, you know, big tinfoil hat person. I mean, it's better than <laughs> other conversations you could be having. For because sure. Because it's like entertaining. It is good. Yeah. It's good content. Like, I will listen. Okay, next up, our producer, Martha Daniel, has a disaster story. Martha, hey. Every year, my grandmother takes the turkey carcass from Thanksgiving and she turns it into stock to make a turkey pot pie for Christmas Day lunch. She's been doing this for decades. One year after Thanksgiving, I don't know, it was like five years ago, my aunt thought she was doing everyone a massive favor by going into the kitchen while everyone was still at the table enjoying the end of the Thanksgiving meal and started cleaning up. And 
inadvertently threw away the turkey carcass without realizing mm-hmm. the magnitude Mm-mm. of what she had just done. My grandmother walked back into the kitchen and started looking around for this carcass to, to freeze it and to take it home to Houston. Wait, where was the dinner? In East Texas. <laughs> and she was going to drive it home? So she was going to freeze the carcass mm-hmm. in like a big Ziploc bag. Stick it in the cooler? Stick it in the cooler. Drive it home. Drive it home. Okay, cool. So there was transport involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after a screaming match over, well, you know that I do this every year and it was an accident and all that good stuff. To my her grandma, daughter, right? To her daughter. Mm-hmm. She went through the trash and found the carcass mm. and rinsed it off in the sink silently, just put it in a Ziploc bag. Nice. Yeah. And we all knew that we were eating garbage turkey. <laughs> <laughs> For Christmas? <laughs> For Christmas Day. It tasted mm, great. Garbage but it's turkey like, Popeye. I have no issue taking things out of the trash, especially no issue that, with something you're going to make stock out of because you're just going to boil it forever anyway. I guess so. And it was all like but food who trash. Who accidentally you know? throws out a carcass? Especially if it's a tradition. What does a good grandma explosion sound like? I'll let people imagine that. Wow. But like <laughs> high volumes. High volumes, hands in the air. I love that. <laughs> My in laws are big yellers. Mm. When they are upset about something, you know about it right away, yeah. and it's like discussed and yelled about. In my family, I come from a more passive aggressive kind of thing, so mm. you might you might find out like way later mm-hmm. that you did something wrong mm-hmm. or that people are upset. So it's just interesting to see the family dynamics play out, especially when it's like a big meal with lots of drinking. Yeah, and we were like all sleeping under the same roof mm-hmm. that night, so it was like. I don't know what's worse is to bury it and just wait until it comes out next year when right. someone's like, don't, don't you dare still... throw away the carcass. <laughs> yeah. I remember when you did it last year <laughs> yeah. and I think about it every goddamn day. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I don't know if that's worse or better than than like, ah, like just having it out. Mm-hmm. It was a lasting disaster, though, I will say, because several weeks later when we all gathered again for Christmas, mm-hmm. we sat down to a turkey pot pie and everyone was rather quiet about it. Like, is this the trash? Yeah. Trash the trash turkey. The trash pie. turkey. Yeah, it was, right? It was. It was. Of course it was. It was great. It was delicious. We all ate it happily and quietly. Love it. Next up, we have Alana in Georgia with her Thanksgiving disaster. This is the story of the time my mom cooked Thanksgiving dinner for 26 mm. on Ooh. a little hot plate. <laughs> so my parents had redone their kitchen a couple years back. You know, new oven, new countertops. And she got like this gorgeous eight burner electric cooktop and a few days before Thanksgiving the cooktop for one reason or another completely blew out and given that it was Thanksgiving week a repairman couldn't come till the next week because you know he's got his own holiday festivities to attend to so (laughs) instead of moving dinner to someone else's house my mom decided to use a little two burner hot plate to cook the entire Thanksgiving dinner Thankfully, the main event, you know, the turkey goes in the oven, but everything else, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, my mom's homemade cranberry sauce was all on this tiny little hot plate. And by some miracle, she completely pulled it off and the dinner was delicious. But it's to this day just one of the funniest holiday mishaps to happen in my family. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say this is a disaster. I would say this is a miracle. And it reminds me that (laughs) Hanukkah doesn't get enough credit. Because the origin story of Hanukkah is the oil lasting for eight days when it was supposed to last one. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah. From a stretching standpoint. Sure. Yep. Uh, but you know what? It's uh, it's important. Oven space, burner space is at a premium. 
Uh, one of my favorite things about a bunch of people cooking together is like friends gathering to cook a meal and, and fighting then over fighting burners. over burners. <laughs> yeah. But that didn't happen here at all. Because um, my mom. Yeah. What I'm learning about is that Thanksgiving just brings people so much joy that I think they forget what the word disaster means. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, it's better than the opposite. <laughs> I mean, we do have at least someone getting stung on the tongue by a wasp. My mom saving the Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving <laughs> disaster segment would have been a, a disaster, disaster, disaster wise, mm-hmm. without my mom coming yeah. through. So that also shows you that Canadian Thanksgiving punches above its weight class <laughs> in terms of at least podcast relevance. Shall we move on? Yeah. We'll be right back with the biggest stories of the week. We just got back from the ads, landed back in the studio, and uh, at this time in the show, we are going to talk through the biggest, the most important, the funniest food stories of the week. We separate them with the sound of a ding like this, and uh, what else to do right now besides dive right in? Okay, Burger King is being sued in California for misleading customers in the selling of their Impossible Beef Whopper, which has been doing big numbers for them. Uh-huh. Burger King obviously uh-huh. rolled yep. out impossible. Selling them as a Whopper. Yep. Plaintiff Philip Williams says, despite Burger King's representations that the impossible Whopper used uses the trademark impossible meat that is well known to be a meat-free blah, 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 blah. Burger King cooks these vegan patties on the same grills as its traditional meat products, thus covering the outside of the impossible Whopper's meat-free patties with meat byproduct. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's, this man is coming at them in California. We've talked about this before. I mean, when all this stuff first came out, this was our big concern. It's, it wasn't my big concern. Well, it was a, not a concern for you, yeah. but we predicted this was going to be an issue for people. Yeah. Because the, all these fast food chains can immediately change their whole no. way of operating. Just to have another to patty? To get a dedicated grill? Yeah. That's, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. So they'll get there, I bet. But... Not right now. There's always the people who are farther along in a progressive issue. Um, what do you mean? Who are upset with people going like halfway, you know, like Burger King's, but Burger King, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think, but this is, if what you care about is eliminating meat products from big box institutions, mm-hmm. this seems to me, and the success of it seems to me one of the, one of the biggest moments in this cultural shift. Yeah, but you could be someone who you don't care about the rest of the world. You just don't want to consume meat yourself. Hmm. And You're right. So there is multiple perspectives coming I think this. it's just a labeling issue where if they had said <laughs> impossible burger, asterisk. Fried cooked, on the meat grill. Fried on the meat grill. <laughs> yeah. Then you would have no ground for a lawsuit. Right. So what would you advise Burger King? I mean, forget the lawsuit. As their lawyer? When they were rolling it out. Because I would have said... Just fucking go for it, you know, dude? Well, I'm sure, I think that's what they all said yeah. internally because mm-hmm. Asterix fried on the meat grill is not super not attractive. sweet. Yeah. yeah. And getting all new grills or separate mm-hmm. grills, probably not realistic. No. So what do you do? Maybe just a tiny footnote. <laughs> Teeny tiny. A little, foot, a little footnote. A little disclosure. Yeah. You know, like that may contain nuts or like made in the same facility as Same facility. Nuts. The most standard the same facility. footnote 
That's probably the most popular burger. footnote on the planet. Yeah, it's in everything. Yeah. Yeah, there could be some nut, nut whiffs of nuts in this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the other Burger King news? That they're out of horseradish. That they're out of, <laughs> they're running out of zesty sauce, <laughs> which I've never had before. I don't even know what it is, but uh, I, I know what it is. It's made of horseradish mm-hmm. because there's a sh- horseradish shortage. And I just think it's funny to think about the supply chain. Like Can I something like that happens and then there's this mass freak out because people need their zesty sauce. I love it. You know what? I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. I love when a business runs out of something because it makes it more real. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Because where like we don't just make this in a lab. No. Although how wherever Burger King is getting its horseradish is the closest to lab grown horseradish <laughs> that you can possibly get. Sure. Yeah. Imagine like commodity horseradish. That is crazy. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not that spicy. At least zesty. I would like to try this zesty sauce. Oh, yeah? I bet I would like it. Yeah. Well, now is a bad time to make that uh, decision. Later. Remind me in six months. I will. When well, things have gone back to normal. If they go back to normal. If. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know that Burger King's had horseradish. Like, that also makes me like Burger King more. That's what I'm saying. That's exciting. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> it's a big day. I. Uh, <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big day here. Yeah. Speaking of... Fast food chains. Ooh. I have another piece of news. This is the most transitions we've ever had on the show. uh, Yeah, no dings here. There was a tweet where a McDonald's worker (laughs) said that for two years when he was working at McDonald's, he added an extra nugget to every 10 box. Like the box of 10 nuggets, he would add an 11th nugget Mm -hmm. secretly. Mm -hmm. And it was just like his secret joy. I thought you would enjoy this. A lot of the comments, a lot of the replies just say... um, an American hero. Mm. You're an American hero. Mm-hmm. You, sir, an American hero. And every time they say that, he responds, I'm Canadian, but merci. <laughs> <laughs> With a little Canadian flag. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Over and over and over and over again. He said it to every single one. <laughs> that reminds me of my favorite dumb Twitter account, which is called uh, There's a Hyphen in Spider-Man, and it's a bot that responds to everyone who writes Spider-Man <laughs> without a hyphen and just says there's a hyphen in Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just feel like someday you're going to do something. Maybe where someday I'll do something. Are calling you an American hero and you're going to have to do the same thing. Oh, you're sweet Canadian. <laughs> Merci. Yeah. Okay. Um, I. But do, do you think this is. Did anyone is, say this is stealing? Because um, it is, frankly. It is stealing. Nobody seems to care. Yeah. Everybody's like, look at this small, beautiful joy mm-hmm. that you're bringing to the world. Did anyone thank you? Yeah. Apparently, it was mostly a drive through restaurant, so no. Right. I bet people most of the time didn't even know because mm-hmm. no one's counting. No one's like, oh, nugget number nine. No Here one, go. you're so much less likely to count your nuggets if you're driving and doing and eating them with your hands. Uh, also that. Yeah. But I notice when I get, uh, in a six piece, you're more likely to notice the seventh. In a 10 piece, the 11th, I don't know if people are keeping track. Yeah. Yeah. That's funnier. Well, if you were doing it in the four piece, yeah, he'd get people would know the subtlety of this is what's nice. I would love if it was like I'm going to do him as a French Canadian for a second, but yeah. I would love if they were like, "What about in a 20 piece?" and he goes, "Oh, they've got enough." Or, no, I didn't even do the French Canadian wow. well. That was terrible. I'm just going to cut that out and say I blew it. Ugh, I got to leave this in now because I, I've already blown the surprise of the fantastic joke. The point I was trying to make was in the 20 piece, maybe he didn't worry about it because it was already enough. What town was this in? I would love if they were just like slight, know. if they had like slightly higher instances of obesity 
I love it because people are responding with the things that they did to steal from their mm-hmm. corporate um, bosses. This one woman says, my last day of working at a call center for a cell service provider, I refunded everyone who called in about texting overages. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, but there's a huge double standard here because, you know, if you worked at like a pet shelter and you were stealing pet food, that wouldn't be as cool, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know what? The Golden Arches have frankly always been all right to me. I actually have a big McDonald's sign up in my apartment. I have some. You know, they also got hit by a class action sexual harassment lawsuit last week. Well, that's because I. So I moved and I haven't actually put <laughs> the arches up. Because you're waiting for that to blow over. I'll never step foot in a McDonald's again. <laughs> Amanda, WeWork has been in the news very much recently. They've, they're cutting close to 50% of their, their team. Um, Thousands of jobs. Yeah, they're really kind of falling apart, as I say, from a WeWork building. A piece of food news mm-hmm. about that is that they have We these... got our angle? We got an angle into this? Let me just tell you, we're in. All right. Yeah, we're in. Good. I don't, you know. All right, what's our angle? Our angle is they have these... <laughs> It's actually very funny. Yeah, so the it's a it's a thing called the WeWork Honesty Market, and it is a self service kiosk where they sell healthy snacks, and they are in a bunch of WeWork locations. Okay, WeWork is closing a great percentage of them at this time when they are slashing their costs because, because they people s- weren't being honest. People were stealing from the honesty mm-hmm. markets. Mm-hmm. Were people always stealing from the honesty markets, or is it? A I mean, recent yeah. thing because they see it's like a wounded animal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they just smelled blood in the water, yeah. so they're like, "We're gonna get them through their Miss Vickies." Yeah, it's like now's the time. No, like I it's think chaos. They, I Let's think take the food. If I know anything about WeWork, it's that they never cared at all about. They were just. I mean, they've been hemorrhaging. Our office building, yeah, is predominantly controlled by WeWork. Yeah, they built a gym in the basement called Rise by We. And I actually talked to the person who was in charge of the development of it, and she was great, but she had an infinite bank account to buy whatever gym equipment. Wow, really? Spent Is it great? S- it's great. Like they have the best equipment I've ever seen. The price millions is really high. and millions. The price is not high relative to the insane classes wow. and equipment that they offer. Mm-hmm. Just looking at it compared to other New York gyms. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of been abandoned. Like, they just did it, and they were like, eh, it didn't really work, and then kind of forgot about it. But there's millions of dollars of equipment, and Uh and I didn't believe – I didn't think it was really going to work as a successful gym. They just don't have the space. It's like a small space with all these amazing machines in it. And uh, for me, that was firsthand evidence of just, like, how frivolous they were, how explosive their growth was. They were just Mm -hmm. throwing money at – Everything. Like, let's open a school. Let's open an apartment building. Here's our gym. Yeah. They install the fancy coffee shop on the top floor of our building. All good things come to an end, I, I guess. I remember when their troubles first started. This was before the big, big story broke, but it was after, I think, people learned they weren't going to be able to IPO. That it was kind of smoke and mirrors? Yeah. Um, stories started circulating about them getting rid of the fruit in the water. <laughs> 
And the WeWork PR was adamantly denying it. Yeah. They're like, this is just a one one example from one place. Like the fruit water is still in stock everywhere else. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's like that's oh, the no. same move they're pulling with the honesty markets, that some of their honesty markets are still open and they're just transitioning in other locations. Yeah, it's like we know. We see what's happening here. Yeah. You can't afford oranges for no. everybody. Exit through the gift shop, as they say. Does that work? Uh <laughs> Sure. Yeah. 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 There has been a bit of a stir over these like mobile coffee shops opened by a former Uber executive. We are joined in the studio by the editor of Eater New York, Serena Dye. Can you uh, give us the down low? Duh. Yeah. So mobile only coffee shops are not new. Starbucks mm-hmm. has one. They already had their app. And so they made a store that's pickup only. Uh, and there are a bunch in China as well. This place called Luck and Coffee. But this guy looking at how big the Chinese company is, he's like, I'm going to change the game. because mm. I'm going to open a coffee shop with tech in mind from the very first moment. Whoa. Oof. <laughs> Love it. Just what I want. Okay. Just what I want. Yeah. Uh, so you go to the coffee shop. So he he says his quote unquote core innovation uh, is that he builds these coffee shops offsite. So in these factories in Michigan, California. Yeah. And there are these like 11 by 11 things. And mm-hmm. then you can just basically transport them to vacant spaces yeah. and just plop it down and have a coffee shop within four hours. Very modular units. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. That's crazy. So like in this room, we could go from not having a coffee shop. Basically, that's the whole point is that maybe there you have like a store, mm-hmm. maybe a department store. You just want to throw one in. If you have, you're a landlord, you have a vacant space and there's nothing in there. You're waiting around to find right. a tenant. You can just put this His innovation in. is making it modular. Well, that's the innovation. His quote unquote core innovation number one. So mm-hmm. his other thing is that it's mobile. The word mobile only means that you can only pay if you have the Bandit Coffee app. Yeah. That means oh, that, I see. Yeah. So if you like, technically, I mean, this is a thing. For any food business, there's no such thing as mobile only. Right. Because at the end of the day, you have to like, Someone's have a physical to make product. The thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're not doing delivery either. So you still have to like walk to the shop. Mm-hmm. So if you, it's not te- it's, it's not really coffee to touch a button because you still have to like go to the uh-huh. coffee shop. But the, the point is, if you walk, let's say you're just walking down the street. Right. You it's walk not magic. In, it's not magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's just. It's just tech. Anyway, so you walk in, and if you want a coffee, it looks like any other coffee shop. They serve local pastries. Um, they have you know, their matcha latte. But if you have cash, if you have credit card, uh, you cannot pay. You, mm-hmm. have, you to, have to download the app. You have to download the app. And then I, I, I did download the app. Just to, I haven't gone to the store, but I did download You have to download the app. You have to create an account. You have to, you have to upload a Your photo. Card. Oh, a photo. Mm. You ha- so that the of bro- yourself. Yeah, so that the barista can recognize you when mm. we go in, and so you can be entered into facial recognition software somewhere. Yes, basically, you then you give your. Um, yeah, that's where they're gonna finally. Get you. <laughs> that's where they're they don't get have me. any other photos. That's of you. where they're gonna get. They me. were just like, how can we get Amanda's photo? My paranoia is justified. And then you put in your credit card. And then you can order. I love that people are worried about the facial photo and not the credit card. (laughs) And like, oh, credit card. We've done that before. They're going to have a a blurry picture of my face. (laughs) I don't think people are really worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, so that's that's the whole thing. And he says that it's in the ground floor of an office building, mm-hmm. and so they already have a bunch of repeat customers because you work in the building. You can right. go down. Yeah, is it supposed to be more convenient for the consumer or for the landlord who has a space that is o- open for like nine months and they need a tenant? 
Mm-hmm. Well, they say it's going to be absolutely convenient for both. Right. Their goal is to open one on every single corner so that you can't be anywhere and not be within five minutes walking of a bandit. Jesus. Yeah. I, and I mean, I, how hard is it to get coffee, though? It's not of hard. All the problems I want the world to solve for me. Well, he also says that um, their innovation is that it's it's cheaper than Starbucks because they are able to just do these modular things and the setup is so quick. Also, That's no one has to of, take your order. That's all, you save a whole staff member. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So their drip coffee is two dollars before tax. It's not that yeah. much cheaper than mm-hmm. Starbucks. So that's my my other point. I think it's I think it's probably more convenient for landlords. I think that yeah, for sure. it's something probably, that fills the space. Yeah, I mean, if you have if you're like let's say you're a place like Macy's that you don't want to build your own coffee shop, mm-hmm. this would be a really attractive opportunity. Yeah. That said, if you're in Macy's and you have a bunch of people coming through, no one's gonna want to fucking download an app to no. get that coffee for the one coffee. Absolutely not. Yeah. But another thing I'm thinking of is like. As the at taking the money as the teller, you never have to deal with people's indecision. Like you never have to have people like, "How's the croissant?" You know, because it's right. all done they ahead pre-order. of time. Yeah, it's like if you want to be indecisive, you do that somewhere else, buddy. Yeah, I think. I mean, we talked about this when this, with the Starbucks thing. It's just people like the interactions at the coffee shop for sure. I mean, you're obviously losing that, but I think. But people m- who like that won't go to this. So I'm. I'd be curious to check in in a year and see if this still exists. I think there's going to be more of this style of business across a lot of food brands. Yeah. Like a lot of these places, that's what they're doing. They're introducing people who want to order mobile and ahead, and then they can just show up and pick up their thing. Yeah. Like that's a good middle ground. Never worry about the line. Yeah. Yeah. Because then someone like me can go... And like, wait like an asshole. Have your long, drawn my, out conversation. Have my good waste, morning. Yeah. Nice to see you. Stamp my card. Blah blah blah. Hey, and what's then, your Instagram? Yeah. I want to follow you. And then everybody else. Oh, your kid had a birthday. Who just cares about inefficiency. Yeah. Actually, no, you're a chatter. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you would go place your order ahead of time, pay ahead of time, go I'd up walk and, then, and be like, like hey, chat. so this app thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Serena, you were just in China. Did you use this service when you were there? I did not. No, Did you see it was them so around? hard. Well, I also like was basically a child yeah, there because yeah, I yeah. couldn't pay for anything because I didn't have WeChat. So right. I, I was I didn't have money on WeChat, so I couldn't do that anyway. And also, okay, here's the thing about Luckin too. Yes, they're they have expanded extremely quickly, but this story that Bandit had sent to me about Luckin on the New York Times was that they basically paid their customers like they were giving tons and tons of deals and mm. um, and also the, the culture in China is quite different uh, with delivery like I was at a restaurant with my family and uh, they're like do you want anything to drink I'm going to order something for delivery and so there are these drinks there's like sodas and fruit juices that they didn't sell at the restaurant Hmm. and so they just ordered it for delivery on WeChat like tap tap and there's that culture of simple deliveries like that in China and that's what they were doing with the coffee there that that we don't really have here Um, and uh, also China like there's a huge gap in the market for coffee because they're not there's not a culture of coffee drinking Mm, there's a historic culture of coffee drinking it's quite new Uh, and so here we already have it built out so they're still kind of defining what the coffee interaction is like. Mm-hmm. Right, right. If we went there and we were like, oh, we love having chats with our baristas, they'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's not what they're about. Yeah, no, and I, in Beijing, it was like actually quite hard for me to find a coffee place sometimes. There wasn't, yeah. it's not like every neighborhood has it. There's just not much of a coffee culture. And you can get a membership, right? So you can pay $20 a month and then your coffee becomes like $1 per coffee. Yeah, and I, I could see myself doing that. I mean, I what I spend like seven bucks at Black Fox every day or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, nice. I could I could see like you know the one dollar drink you can get one dollar for drip coffee or you can get one dollar for 
honey matcha lavender sure. latte or whatever. And so that, I mean, that could potentially, if you're a real big coffee drinker, that could potentially is a really good deal. But again, you have you still have to walk to the place. It's yeah, not have, like it a, has to be everywhere. It has to get to that point. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if they're able to do that, like, great for them. Amanda, before we end the show today, we're going to do a little segment where we uh, breeze through some reader emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's couple, just couple a, couple, faves. a couple faves from this week. Let's just get into them. Okay. Uh, last week, we talked about the different ways that people signal their food interests on dating apps yep. and how they you know, telegraph what kind of person they are, what they're looking for. We got an email from Brian. He said, I agree that sushi is very dated, which uh, our guest, Rebecca, had said. He's agreeing. It's dated. Um, he said, in San Francisco, the modern version of sushi to signal to a girl would be izakaya or... A5 Wagyu. Whew. Says a lot, actually. It says a lot. So do you think that this means that Brian is an A5 Wagyu guy? Because let's just treat this as if... Maybe it's just that he's seen this. Okay. Which is, no matter what, I think Izakaya is fine if a little, a little obnoxious. Right. But, like, great. I, again, I will caveat this by saying I'm not on dating apps. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what I would react to. But I feel like Izakaya... Fine. A5 Wagyu is a pretty <laughs> specific luxury yeah. item. Yeah. Like, it's if not you much said different. caviar. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Suggest the date for us. Okay, let's go for caviar. It is one of the more obnoxious things I think you could say to another person. Mm-hmm. It's not much farther. It's not, it's, it's kind of like, but isn't saying, this a field you fill out where it's like your favorite food? No. Not it, like, let's go for a date. It's like saying, it's like, what, what would you want to do for a date? Oh, okay. Yeah. E-A-5 Wagyu. E-A-5 Wagyu. For those who don't know, that is the premier. I think there's a couple little exclusive Wagyus that are actually about that. I think it's that. saying to someone, I have exquisite like, luxury tastes and yeah. I have a lot of money. He, yeah. So that's, I what may not that's what you're saying. be strong in personality, but oh you boy. You could be strong in personality in like yeah. A-5 Wagyu. You're, just, oh you're boy. just saying a lot in that one little item. Am I not loved at the steakhouse? Yeah. I'm oh. going to, like, if we go to a steakhouse, mm-hmm. I'm going to call that out by name. Oof. I'm going to say, hey, you have any A5 Wagyu? You got some A5 back there? Yeah. Next up, Amanda, this one is uh, absolutely very, it's very special to me. It's from Yvonne in Toronto. My boyfriend and I were at a yakitori restaurant recently where the table next to us finished their meal and not, where a table next to us finished their meal and left not long after we sat down, we noticed that several of the skewers had many pieces of meat left untouched, and it crossed both of our minds just to grab those pieces as it seemed like it would have been very unlikely that they were tampered with, especially considering those pieces were still on the plates served on and not the diner's personal plates. Important. Important. This woman gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ultimately left it to be taken away and thrown out, but what a waste. Curious to know your thoughts on this. I'm going to start off with a very embarrassing admission, Mm -hmm. uh, as I want to do on this show, and that is, if I'm going into the steam room, this is how how much of a yes I am on this. It's very practical and wonderful to have a bottle of water in the steam room, Mm -hmm. not only to drink, but also to pour on the nozzle so you get more steam to come out. yeah. And I will sometimes walk around the locker room looking for a used bottle, <laughs> which I will run under hot water to kill any germs, but then take for myself. Uh-huh. I think that the only thing that would stop me from doing this is getting caught because people should do this and it's absurd. 
that people don't. And mm-hmm. I, but I also, I think what is yeah, so wouldn't you about, worry about people seeing you? That's or the you only, but that's the only concern. But that would concern you. How do you feel about this? I would. I wish that we lived in a society where, like, I wish that. Here's what I wish. I wish that those people got up and left. And I this this would be an awkward thing to do. But You're I like, wish. Hey, you want these skewers? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. yeah. We just got these. They're delicious. We're full. We're full. Can yeah. You, do you want them? Do you want them? I think that's so fun. I think that's so cool. I try to do that, but you, you, you border on being insulting to people because people yeah. are like, "I don't want the shit I don't off want your, your plate." Used, right? Yeah, no. I can order it I myself. Can, I can afford my own food. Talk to me. How do you food. feel? What do you I do when you, you go know. to the steam room and you want <laughs> I would not be tempted to pick up that skewer. Though I do like that it's on its own, it's on the serving plate, not yeah. on the personal plate. So it means it has not been tampered with, but you never fucking know. And You do know. I mean, you know to the extent, the odds of it being tampered with combined with the odds that something is wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. very low. slim. Low, low, low. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to go there. I don't want to mess with that stuff. Yeah. But you like an insular restaurant experience, you know? I don't want to. Yeah, you mean I don't want to interact with you, wild, wild card elements. Wild card elements. No, you yeah. like to be at your own table with the people that you chose to be there with. Yeah. Right. So, like for you, a restaurant, you wouldn't. There's no difference between a restaurant having lots of tables and just having one table, as far as you're concerned, right? I mean, now you're insulting me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not insulting. Just because you. I don't want to eat scraps on someone else's table <laughs> doesn't mean I want to just live in a bubble. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, do you like when you go to uh, like fancy traditional Japanese restaurants, and you kind you have your own little mini sometimes like your own little tiny private dining area where they will occasionally like draw the curtain? No, okay. I don't want to be cordoned off from people. Yeah, I just don't want to sit at the same table. I don't. I don't like communal tables. And but you also don't like to interact with other tables at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that weird. Yeah. It me- doesn't mean I want to be in a chamber. Yeah, no. I just don't want to like. <laughs> I want to focus on the person I'm there with. That's interesting. Uh, we got an email recently, and I just I hate to bring this up to you. Actually, it was a DM, a private DM on Instagram, where someone said that <laughs> we uh, got an email. <laughs> Actually, someone DM'd me <laughs> to say that she offered people next to them a bite of their thing because she heard them talking about it. Uh huh about how they wanted it but they hadn't ordered it and then it turned out I can't remember what the story was but it turned out like the guy somehow knew someone and they had a nice conversation and now they're going to go for coffee in San Diego or something like that I mean that was so far from the truth of what the actual DM was but the point is is I created a connection where there was no connection in the world Uh huh. and I'm happy to say that the digest created that connection but it's also that I did so I don't understand what happened People are friends because of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Eater's Digest. If you have any thoughts or feedback or questions, email us at digest at eater.com. Also, please tell one friend about the show. Uh, it will help us out a lot. Special thanks to everyone who sent in their disastrous Thanksgiving stories. Uh, we'll be back next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>